0: Are you ready to take your mindset to an even higher level on and off the mat? And you're ready for the BJJ Mental Coach Podcast, where business owners and aspiring entrepreneurs open their minds to new ideas and concepts that will help you during your entrepreneurial journey and during your consistent pursuit of becoming the best version of yourself personally and professionally. It's time to go beyond the map with the host of the BJJ Mental Coach Podcast, Gustavo Dantas. Gustavo Dantas.
1: Welcome to episode 100 of the BJJ Mental Coach Podcast. I'm your host, Gustavo Dantas, and I'd like to give a shout out to all hardcore listeners who listen to all 100 episodes. As a matter of fact, I'd love to hear your feedback with your top three episodes in the past two years. Just send me a message on Instagram at Gustavo Dantas BJJ. I'd love to hear more from you. And today we have JP Danelle. JP is a blue belt in jiu-jitsu and an MMA veteran. He is a former U.S. Navy SEAL who served multiple tours of duty in Iraq. JP currently serves as a leadership instructor, speaker, strategic advisor, and is the director of experiential leadership training programs for Echelon Front, which is led by Jocko Wilnick and Leif Babin. JP and I connected for the first time during the 2019 Origin Immersion Camp, so it was cool to catch up with him. And it was a great interview, man, with a lot of good takeaways. At one moment during the interview, I asked him, what is one of the best advice that you have ever received on the battlefield that can be used in any area of your life? His answer inspired me to title this episode, Stay Humble. Stick around for my final thoughts after the interview when I share with you an audio from Jocko Willink's Wisdom on the topic of humility during his podcast with Echo Chars. Stay tuned right after Jujitsu Tribe's message. Oos. The BJJ Mental Coach podcast is a proud supporter of the non profit organization Jujitsu Tribe, formerly Live Jujitsu. Jujitsu Tribe supports social projects who offer free jiu-jitsu classes to unprivileged children and young adults in impoverished communities, inspiring, impacting, and improving their lives, keeping them away from drugs and crime, creating hope, and creating champions on and off the mats. Your donation helps projects to pay for their monthly expenses and facility makeovers. As a supporter, the BJJ Mental Coach donate all the profit of all online courses and merchandise to Jiu-Jitsu Tribe. For more information, please visit www.jujitsutribe.org. Let me introduce you to today's guest, J.P. Dinell. J.P. is a blue belt in jiu-jitsu and an MMA veteran. He is a former U.S. Navy SEAL who served multiple tours of duty in Iraq and was awarded a Silver Star, two Bronze Stars with Valor, and the Army Commendation Medal with Valor, helping Task Unit Bruiser to become the most highly decorated special operations unit of the Iraq War. He worked closely with SEAL officers Jocko Wenling and Lift Babin both in combat and as training instructor at the Naval Special Warfare Group 1 Training Detachment. He also served as combatives and marksmanship instructor and earned his Master Trainer Specialist qualification while helping Jocko rebuild and enhance SEAL training programs into the highly effective platforms they are today. JP currently serves as a leadership instructor, speaker strategic advisor and is the director of experiential leadership training programs for Echelon Front JP welcome to the podcast
2: Thanks for having me my friend I know it's uh it's been a long time coming <laughs> I apologize for the delay on my end but it's good to see you again man
1: yes sir man how's the dynamic right there where are you at right now
2: so I live in Texas I know the 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 sign on the wall might confuse <laughs> you for California I uh, you know I'm born and raised in California. I uh, grew up in Sacramento and tried to get back and visit my family um, a couple of times a year, but right now I'm in the Dallas-Fort Worth area of Texas.
1: Okay, right on. How's the dynamic right now with the the, the virus and all the stuff?
2: You know, to be honest, we haven't been that drastically affected in Texas. I mean, I know some companies have, right? So some companies have been shut down, but you know, I talked to friends in other states especially like democratic run States, like they're completely locked down. Like you go to the grocery store in some States and you're only allowed to buy what they deem essential. Wow. Which is crazy. Like uh, they, I believe my, my buddy in Michigan was telling me like, Hey um, this is insane because they asked people to fly flags at half mass in honor of people that have died from COVID but yet you can't go buy a flag because an American flag isn't deemed essential. I was like, you've got, what? And so like they have certain sections of like grocery stores and Walmart and target completely roped off. You're not allowed to go shop in those areas. Um, but in Texas, I mean, you know, we've, you know, we listen to the guidelines, you know, and, you know these orders. You know people need to realize these are orders, not laws. There's a difference between an order and a law. Mm, you know we, we've we've done our part to kind of help flatten the curve. Um, you know, but it's getting to the point where it's I think it's it's starting to be really really stupid and ridiculous that people's businesses are completely falling apart. You know people's families and their dynasties are being ruined because you know. They're forcing, or they're dictating what what companies can be open and what ones can't, and so it's crazy. I, I'm very lucky to be in Texas, um, you know, versus some of these other states. So you know, it's um, you know, it really hasn't affected us too much. Right on. So Except have- for my jujitsu gym being closed. <laughs> <laughs> Thankfully, I have Matt at the house, so me, and my wife, and my son, and we've been able to get a little jujitsu in.
1: Right on. So I want to know when jiu-jitsu show up in your life. I know that since you're young, you wanted to be in the military, be a, yes, heal. And so with that, it's going to include some martial arts training. So when was your first contact with martial arts and then eventually jiu
2: So my first contact with martial arts was I started doing American kickboxing and Shotokan karate, uh, when I was in sixth grade. Um, uh, one of my dad's friends, his name is Nasser Niavroni. And he's, uh, he was, a I can't remember what degree, black belt, Shotokan karate and, uh, you know, American kickboxing. He was actually Dennis Alexio, who for a long time was the undisputed, uh, heavyweight champion of the world kickboxer. Um, he only lost one fight. His only pro, pro fight he ever lost was his first fight. And that guy would never fight him again. And yeah. he went, to literally run through every other heavyweight pro in the world for a very long time. His name is Dennis Alexio. He's actually uh, the kickboxer with Van Damme. Um, yeah, I've heard anyway, I've
1: heard this name. I definitely yeah, heard this
2: name. Yeah, amazing, amazing guy. So his coach was my coach that I got to grow up. And, and and train under so i started that in 6th grade and i did that and i loved i just i absolutely loved uh martial arts i loved the discipline i loved the structure i loved the testing and the ranking and just i don't know everything about it i just really loved it and um you know i think that really helped mold me for just the mindset of going into the military you know my parents were very strict and you know make sure we worked hard and 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 did what we we're supposed to do. But that was just an, an, an extra added thing that helped me kind of stay on that path and stay disciplined, um, and, and stay focused. This it was my first job. My first job was working the front desk at the kickboxing gym and helping teach the classes. I mean, nice. so, you know, what, what better of a base for a, a young kid, right? And so um, I really, I really liked that. Um, and so I did that through high school, uh, kind of lost track of it in like, as I was getting ready to graduate from high school, um, and, you know, I had, I had an amateur kid, a little in-house thing that our gym put on with other gyms where they came and, you know, they just, it, we did like points for tournament and then we did kickboxing. And that was my, like, it was an actual fight. It was, so, so It was supposed to be like three rounds. And, um, I just remember, I was so nervous, like I was just had those jitters. You know, I'm I'm in high school. Like I don't I don't understand how to process this stuff yet. And you know, one of my regrets is that I, you know, I didn't even tell my parents I was going to be fighting. They thought I was just helping the gym work because I was so nervous. Like I didn't want to like if I lost, I didn't want to lose in front of my mom and dad. Hindsight, they wouldn't have cared. They were just proud of me, right? And so. Uh, you know, I did that. And it was cool. Like I, I won my little my first little fight. Got you know a little fight of the night trophy, which was funny, nice. but uh, which you know was cool when you're in high school. And that kind of always st- stayed with me. You know, I I, I really appreciated the um, the guidance my instructors gave me and the adults at the gym because they all knew I was a kid. And there's I had a lot of guidance from other older martial artists of, you know, just being disciplined and staying on the path and not getting in trouble, not doing drugs, not partying. And I think like being in martial arts and my parents being strong Christians really helped me kind of stay out of trouble because I mean, I'm not going to act like I'm a perfect kid. I'm wild. Like I, at heart, like I am like that wild, wild person. And I really think that helped me not end up in jail um, or, you know, end up dead. Honestly, um, before I went into the military, and so then I joined the military, and I remember my first platoon, one of uh, one of the other new guys that checked into SEAL Team Three Delta Platoon with me. His name is Cowie. Um, uh, it's actually Justin Cowie Kanawa, a uh, Mayoral, and so he goes by Cowie. Right, he's from Hawaii. Uh, real awesome martial artist, jujitsu uh, guy, and. Before we went on our first deployment, he went back home to spend time with his family in Hawaii and he did a, a, big, a big tournament out there, a jiu jitsu tournament. And he won, like, he won in his weight class and then absolute as well um, as a purple belt, I believe. And so it was, it was really cool. You know, I had him in the platoon. And then the first time I ever did actual jiu jitsu was in Guam with Cali. And so we deployed to Guam for a little bit before we went to Iraq and, you know, we did a couple months there and then we did, you know, our four months in in Iraq. And so when we were in Guam, we were training other foreign nations that we worked with and doing some training exercises. Well, we're out at a bar and um, like all of a sudden, like I kind of noticed that we're starting to kind of be surrounded by bigger tougher looking dudes that all had nasty cauliflower ear and i'm like this is not gonna be good like Mm -hmm. this is not good and like i knew i knew how to fight and you know i was i was tough and i was aggressive and i knew cowrie did too but there there comes a numbers game right when there's just you and your buddy and at the time here's the other thing and i know people say oh weight doesn't matter bullshit if someone knows how to use their weight it (laughs) matters my friend it matters there's a reason why you know i'm over 200 pounds and even when i was fighting in the 185 190 range i've rolled with and trained with female black belts and i've never been submitted by a female i've never been submitted by any female who's a brown belt black belt it didn't matter because I was a lot stronger than them and I knew how to use my strength to my advantage. So I'm aware of that. I'm aware that size comes into play, especially if somebody knows how to use it. And I was in the SEAL team, so I didn't have this false confidence. A lot of people are like, oh, Navy SEALs are badass fighters. No, we're badass gunfighters. Like we know how to mm-hmm. use our weapon system really well. Until recently, the combative system in the SEAL teams wasn't very, I mean, it was kind of a joke. Like we would all laugh and joke about it, you know, for a long time until Jocko revamped that. But anyway, so I had an awareness of like, hey, this is not going to be good. And I remember that we were at this bar and there was silverware and I grabbed a fork and a knife off the bar and just kind of (laughs) had it in my hand. And I was just, I got a little nervous because I didn't know how it was going to happen. And then they're like, hey, you, Cowie? And like, super aggressive, like the biggest dude in the group. And Cowie's like, yeah. And then all of a sudden the guy goes, hey, you know, like totally goes out of like changes character. They literally look like they're hitmen, like coming up to kill us, <laughs> like super, like these big old Chamorans. And then all of a sudden it's like, hey, we were. In Hawaii last month when you had your tournament and that was awesome watching you, man. Like he, he, he recognized you and I knew it was you. And I was like, Why couldn't we just <laughs> start with that one, guys? And so <laughs> the guys were like, Hey, we have a gym here at one of our houses, it's in the back, you know, which I thought was really cool. It's like these these guys were hungry fighters that just wanted to go somewhere with their life, right? And I mean they set up a cage and a training thing in the back, in their backyard. And that's where all these guys trained. And, um, I mean, it was really cool. And so anyways, um, you know, they invited like, Hey, if you guys want to come train, here's the times that we train during the week. I don't know what your guys' work schedule is. And, and so we ended up talking and drinking with those guys the whole rest of the night. And then, um, yeah, we went over there. And that was the first time I'd ever done jujitsu, uh, was, was just learning some basics and so we wore our cami pants and a, a brown t-shirt and um you know for like the no gi part and then when they were doing gi we we just put on our cami blouse which is very similar to a gi and that's what i that's the first time i learned you know jiu-jitsu was in the backyard of a you know a, a, a backyard mma gym in, in guam on deployment Right and, on. Uh, How, was uh, cool. when was that what year this was uh October two thousand four. Okay. Yeah.
1: So, how do you feel all these years? How do you feel Jiu Jitsu relates to life? Is so many lessons,
2: you oh, know. Geez. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, life is humbling. Combat is humbling. Business is humbling. Relationships are humbling. Being a parent is humbling. Jiu Jitsu is very humbling. And Jiu Jitsu is not humbling for you. Then you're either in the wrong gym or you're not actually doing what you should be doing. If if you have not been humbled by jujitsu, well then you're you're not doing the right thing. Like something's not right. I can promise you.
1: Mm-hmm. And now, how did you get involved with this, the leadership work? I know you did a lot from the military. How you decided when you're done with a, you officially retired with the military, right? So I didn't
2: retire. So. Mm-hmm. In order to retire from the military, you have to do twenty years. Oh, um, okay. Yeah, I got out at twelve years, um, and I got out to to take care of my wife and kids. I I I already had a you know failed marriage and other relationship problems that you know I created over the years. You know, um, you know, definitely you know not blaming them. Um, it was it was on 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 both parts. You know, and uh, you know I had met my wife and. I really wanted to make it work with her you know I I, there is just something with her that you know just I just knew that I needed to make some changes in order to make it work and and I'm not saying that in a negative manner you know it's just the situation was different and I needed to I needed to change obviously what I was doing and so I, you know, I, I got out of the military and I, I moved to North Mississippi near Memphis, Tennessee. And, um, you know, that's when I, you know, started my transition out of the military. And at the time I was actually training MMA because I was going out there so often. Uh, I, I'd, I'd done jujitsu on and off when I came back from Ramadi in like the 2007, eight timeframe, frame. Um, when Jocko and Dean Lister opened up their gym in San Diego, I started doing some jujitsu and I was doing, you know, Muay Thai. Um, and I, I just wasn't really consistent in my training yet. Um, but I was doing it here and there and I really loved it. Absolutely loved the gym it was just, you know, it was, it was a really good release for me, uh, for what I had going on in my life at that time. And, um, then I kind of lost sight of that for a little bit. Life happened. Uh, wasn't able to get to the gym as much to train, got out of the military. Well, as I was getting out, found this gym in South Haven, Mississippi, and, um, you know, created some amazing relationships with my coaches. They become like very, very, very close best friends of mine as I was transitioning out of the military. And, um, you know, that's what started the training into MMA. And so, you know, Zach Underwood, Jake Underwood, Teddy Holder, uh, Andy Urich, Joe Pass, all those guys were all pro fighters that I looked up to. I was like, wow, that's amazing. Like, man, maybe I could fight pro one day. Maybe, who knows? But if anything, I want to fight because I knew I needed that as I transitioned out of the military because I was going to be missing that brotherhood. And I was transitioning to go do sales at a financial company, which nothing wrong with that but that's drastically different than, from being a Navy SEAL, drastically different. And so I knew I was going to need some sort of a challenge in that training and just that the hard work. And so that's when I started training and it was the best thing I could have done. You know, I had uh, seven amateur um, MMA fights. I was six and one, Um, you know, and it it was was a lot of fun. You know, I just, I did it for a stress reliever. Um, I did it because I liked training. I liked, the competition aspect and the, the fights, like I didn't really care about, like I enjoyed them obviously. And I took them very serious. Well, not all of them. Some of them I didn't even train for, and I still Mm -hmm. fought, which is bad, but I won. (laughs) And so, um, you know, I don't recommend doing that. And, you know, and so that was kind of held me together. And then I stopped training and I stopped fighting and I left that financial company to start my own consulting company. And I was doing that. And during this whole time, I was, you know, stayed in contact with Jocko and was listening to his podcast and reading, his, you know, and then him and, Lake and I read their book. And at that time that I read their book, I was probably at the lowest place I'd been in a while. And I, I recognized when I read Extreme Ownership that all the stuff that had gone on or that was going on in my life, I actually had the ability to control it. Like I could truly control my situation and my destiny if I just took ownership and if I didn't blame anybody and if I didn't make excuses for the situation that I was in. And and so I started applying those principles and I started applying that mindset and uh, things started to kind of shift and change. And the whole time I'm like asking Jocko, hey, is there anything I can do to help you? Is there anything you and life? need help with. Like I can help book gigs. I can help sell gigs. I can, you know, whatever you guys need. And it finally came to the point where Jock was like, Hey, you know, I think we're getting to the point where we probably need to bring on another instructor. We're actually having to turn down work because we're so busy. We're raising our prices and we're still being booked out. Um, Hey, we have this event called the muster. It's in San Diego. Why don't you come out and check it out? And I was like, okay, cool. And so, I, I made my way out there and you know it was it was difficult because at the time we financially were not in a good place you know I didn't have the money to fly out there and you know I was able to use airline points and borrow airline points from people and you know just I was able to make my way out there and when I saw what Jocko and Leif were doing I just I told him I'm like I am all in like I am all in with whatever you guys want me to help do because I want to be a part of this And, you know, that was three and a half years ago. And so I was the first, yeah, first instructor that they brought on board. Jocko had me on his podcast. Um, So we had the muster, we recorded the podcast. My episode came out the next week and it just grew from there. And it was, you know, it's been an awesome three and a half years. I've worked with hundreds and hundreds of companies across the world. Um, You know, it's just the uh, the opportunity has been amazing i'm a director of our experiential leadership training programs which is all of our hands-on leadership training uh that we do with our clients and so it's uh, it's been a lot of fun it's been a been a unique journey for sure
1: right on so when you look back at three and a half years ago man a lot changing your mindset in three and a half years ago what is the main difference especially being surrounded by the you know such a, a great environment with the people that you work and so three and a half years ago what's the difference of the mindset back then and now
2: um confidence for sure you know i've um always it's weird it's a it's a unique dichotomy with me because there's times that i am very very confident in my abilities and then there's times i'm just really insecure in myself and what you know and so at the beginning you know You, Jock on Laith, have written this amazing book that's changed my life. So I read the book and applied it before I was even a part of Echelon Front, right? And so Hmm. you have this amazing book that just drastically shifted my life. And then I go to that first event and I see Jock on Laith up on stage and I'm like, ooh, mm, I don't Hmm. know. Like, you know, I grew up with a speech impediment. And I was in speech therapy all throughout school. And there are times that I mix up my words or I stutter or I actually make up words, or you know I just and it's 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 frustrating and it's embarrassing. And so I had this like mental block that I put in myself. Nobody else put it there. I put it there that I wouldn't be able to ever speak as good as they were speaking that why would somebody want J.P. know to come talk to their company? Um, you know, I, I, have a, I have a high school diploma, and then I joined the military. And what I failed to recognize is my, while other people were going to college and getting their degrees, I was gaining real-life experience. I was traveling the world. I was, you know, as I say, cultured, right? And so I've been around different – uh, religions and different cultures, and, and and learn to interact, and and have professional working relationships, and build friendships in different parts of the world with different uh, people and different religions and different beliefs, and and under you know, and just learn how to actually get along with people and communicate, and how to deal with stress, and how to build a team, and how to lead, and how to follow. And, you know, just all these different things. And when it was broken down, I'm like, okay, that makes sense. You know, like, just because somebody went to college and got a it's college like, degree doesn't make that they're, that they're going to be better than than I am. And so yeah. that was kind of like just that insecurity that I allowed to come in at the beginning, you know, and the other thing is like, hey, I go talk with these companies and I'm fully sleeved up, right? You know, and so you know, why, you know, but then it was like, hey, there's a time and place. There's times where I wear the short sleeve polo. There's times where I wear the long sleeve. There's times where I wear a suit, right? It just, whatever I need to cater to my client. But as I have built my brand, my name with Jacqueline Leif, with Echelon Front, because everything is through Echelon Front. I don't do anything separate. This is all through Echelon Front, is I've built that confidence because there are now consistently – there's a lot of companies that are re- requesting me and, and saying, Hey, out of all the speakers at the muster, you know, JP's message resonated with me the most because nice. I talk about my failures. I talk about how I had lost my wife and my kids and how we got a marriage. And I was delivering pizzas at one time. And, you know, I was doing construction, you know, I, I, I share every one of my struggles, but then I, sh- I share with them how I got out of those and how I came out and taught. And so since I've been, Able to be vulnerable while also trying to always maintain my humility, I've been able to gain more confidence.
1: Yeah, dude, what do you mention about all the traveling and everything? I mean, there's no price tag for that, for everything you described, you know, the experience and the relationships and the man, you cannot put a price tag on that. It's incredible. Now, we have a lot of listeners who, entrepreneurs who have people in transition, a lot of people getting involved with the speaking engagements, which is not an easy thing to do. Mm-hmm. So what did you say in the past three and a half years, some of the struggles that you went through as a speaker, maybe something that you can help people who are starting.
2: Yeah. So you have to be disciplined and and you you have to have to be disciplined in everything that you're doing when it comes to being, to being a good speaker. Right. And I just looked at what Jocko and Lake did and I said, you know what? If they're doing this, I'm going to do it as well. If they're doing full rehearsals before they go speak, if they're going through their slides, if they're reading their notes, if they're practicing their transitions for hours before they go give an hour keynote, guess what I'm doing? I'm going to do the same thing. And I I think a lot of people just assume like, well, if I just know the material, I can just go talk. That's not, that's not the case. That is not the case you have to be disciplined. You have to practice. You have to practice your transitions. And hey, let's say maybe you're going to talk without slides. That's great. You know, I read a book uh, from Rock Bottom to Rock Star by Ryan Blair. And he was talking about if you ever want to be a great speaker, you should be able to speak without PowerPoint slides. And so I've always, I just remember that right from the get-go. And I remember and Le saying, hey, you need to count on there never being notes. Like you, you're not going to be able to see the notes down on the, on the screen, right? Because there's been times where I'm up on a stage and they have like three TVs down on the ground in front of me and I see the slide I'm on, the next slide, and then the notes. And I'm like, that's crazy. I don't need any of that. Like, it's nice. It's nice to look down, but I shouldn't need any of that. Because if I need that, I'm not an actual speaker. You know, I'm I'm a reader. All I'm doing is reading PowerPoint slides. I'm reading notes. I'm not actually communicating the message. I'm not relating with the people that I'm talking to. And that's like every time I talk, mine is slightly different because I'm not saying the exact same thing. The principles of the message are the same. The laws of combat are always the same. The mindsets of victory are always the same. But the stories around them change every time based off of what Is in my mind, what memories pop in there, and what conversations I actually have with my client. Because I'm doing pre engagement calls, I'm taking notes, I'm reading the crowd, I get in there early. If there's another speaker, I go sit and listen to them. And hey, you know why? Because I want to know what they're saying. And I want to make sure that I am the better speaker. And I don't mean that in a negative way towards the other speakers, but I use that to fuel me to make sure that I'm delivering the absolute best presentation I can for Jocko and Leif. Mm-hmm. And so if you're starting to speak and transitioning with speaking, you need to put in the time and effort and reps before you go do it. You've got to be doing a lot of free speeches because you're going to screw up a lot, you know, and, you know, and it just reps. And, and when you tell people, Hey, I'm working on my, on this new talk, this new speech, you know, can I come talk with your sales team? Can I give an can I give a 30 minute presentation during their lunch on, you know, how these principles in jujitsu have helped my business and how I think they could help you and your sales team. I would like to come give you a free talk, a free 30 minute speech. I mean, Hey, why not? Right. And it's, if you screw it up, who cares, you know, but if you put in the time ahead of time, you're not going to screw up your first speech. The first time I actually talked solo, there was 110 people ish. There was about 110 in this auditorium in Denver, Colorado. And, um, you know, it, I just remember being able to be out there and speak. And it, it was awesome. It was an honor to be able to do my first one there. But what I did up to that is I was rehearsing my speech six to eight hours a day. I'm not exaggerating. Every single day leading up to it. And it wasn't just me doing and I was, you know, I had listened to Jocko and Leif both speak. And I had recorded it. And then I built my slides based around their slides and I would listen to the, re- the audio recording that I had as I was clicking through my slides until I was able to follow along. And then I was saying the words and then I was transitioning and I would do that. And it it, it, it helped to build this base of just muscle memory of, of what the slides were going to be. And so if something did happen, I wasn't going to stop talking. If we lost power, Okay, cool. Hey, everybody okay? Hey, hey, do you guys want me to continue talking and, and get through this? Cause I know we have an hour time slot. I don't need slides. I mean, the slides are cool, so you guys can see those really sexy pictures of me. And I always laugh and make a joke, right? You want people to be laughing. Uh, but I say, hey, you know, but we don't need any of that. As long as you guys are paying attention, we can continue on. And there's been times where the clients are like, yeah, hey, if you can continue on, cool. We'll try to get your slides back up. I'm like, no factor. When you can have that confidence from stage to be able to just to keep going and everybody else is falling apart because they don't have their notes. So they don't have the, you know, the presenter mode with, you know, Hey man, like you, you don't want to be stressing out about little stuff like that. And I found that being disciplined and rehearsing and practicing is what made that difference.
1: Beautiful, man. I got involved with public speaking in 2012 and I'm just so blessed that I have a mentor, a public speaking mentor. I mean, I'm 45 years old, and my mentor has been a professional speaker for 45 years. He's he's 80 right now, and he's in the Hall of Fame of Public Speaking, uh, Joe Weld. And I just got so blessed that he lives in Arizona, and we have a friend in common. And when I got involved with my very first to speak engagement, he, uh, he liked so much my my work ethic that he kind of adopted. He called me his uh, his Brazilian son. Uh, well, part uh, the the part of like he was impressed with my commitment was a desperation too. Because when I talk with him, like holy shit, I don't know anything. What am I doing? So it just makes you work even harder, you know. And, and that's how we developed that that confidence that you said to be. Because when you know the material is a problem when you do a a presentation and you're not sure of the material that's going to be a, a wreck, you know. But that confidence comes from that. From the hard work, you know that's the root of uh, the root of the confidence. And one thing that reminded me when you mentioned in 2014 or 15, I recorded a program called Inner Discover for Outer Success, which is dedicated to Jiu-Jitsu competitors who struggling with performing. So it's basically helping them to discover what's holding them back from being their best self on and off the mat. So, so I started that, and there was a, a great. Uh, Project too was awesome. so i re- i i read a hotel and then invited put a uh, put an application online for people to attend the the recording I uh, put a buffet for them it was like high high you know like high level stuff so it was i spoke for about two hours and forty five minutes and after that we had the q and a for uh maybe we' had the lunch and then we'll have the q and a so my point is I, I spoke for an hour and 15 nonstop. stop. We had a 5 minutes break, paused the, the filming, ne- never stopped. It was not just boom. We just stopped for, like, water break, and that was it. And then when I finished, one of my students, and I forget this, he said, like, man, you must be tired because I spoke, you know, for, like, three hours straight. Uh, and this started at 1 p.m. And I said, like, dude, I woke up today at 6 a.m., at seven, I already ran through this whole three hour presentation in my house in front of my dogs and my cats. Even then I got sick of it. You know what I'm saying? And then when I got there, I, when I finished, I just had time to like shower, get ready and boom, and go straight to a, to the stage. So that was like, so fresh in my mind, that went like flawless, you know, like I never had to stop like, Hey, let's record again. There was none of that because uh, I was like, no, so it's not kind of a recording I can use as a, uh, a crutch to be like, ah, oh, if, if I mess up, it's okay. Like, no, 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 no. I need yeah. to serve these 20 people who are here right now, you know, mm-hmm. plus the people that I'm speaking with at, at home. So people would like to know more about it um just take a look at the bjgmentalcoach.com I, I don't know if you know but i co-founded a nonprofit organization uh 10 years ago called jiu-jitsu tribe and we support social projects that offer jiu-jitsu for free in, in many places so basically the courses uh this uh you know discover father success and i have another one mental preparation crash course all the sales made on the bJj mental coach website go to the nonprofit organization, Jujitsu Tribe. So since I start kind of going that route, I was like, man, I have this product. I have this. Just leave it here. Whoever wants to support so we can keep um, raising because not that we have a lot of funds for the, our organization. So what I'm doing is fundraisers, doing this and that. So I'm like, hey, if anyone wants to help and it's uh, great information. But the point is exactly what he said of the discipline of like practice that, man. You need to practice jiu for a tournament. You need to practice... For speaking, and I got so blessed to have uh, Joe Weldon as a as a mentor, and because he really were able to guide me. Who was the, the 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 strongest person for you that you got most of your speaking from, or like the tips and all that stuff?
2: Um, it was from just listening uh, to Jocko and Life. You know, like I still. I mean, I've been their employee, you know, their first speaker for three and a half years. And every time we do an operations call, I'm taking notes. You know, we have uh, EF online. So um, uh, it's our online leadership training program that we built. And this was before COVID hit, right? So we've been building this out for a while. So somebody can go and they can watch videos and take tests and progress along with our leadership um stuff and what we started doing is when all this hit is our, you know, for all of our members for to EF online you know every Monday Wednesday and Friday Jocko and Leif do a live one hour training like that's ridiculous. So all the members well I'm on every one of those and guess what I'm doing? I'm taking notes the whole time. Like I'm just listening absorbing because it's a it's seriously it's an hour every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday that I get to listen to Jocko and Leif speak and how they answer questions. And then I've, of course I get people saying, Hey, this is for JP. So I'll chime in and I'll help. Wow. But I just listen to them. And, and so I remember I recorded their, 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 their talks. And so, you know, I just, i kind of just emulated how they talk. And then I've read you know, a couple different, you know, I've read a good amount of books, you know, from different speakers and just kind of you know, like, I, I, I really like Ryan Blair, that, that book I told you, mm-hmm. um, Rock Bottom the Rock to Star. Start, yeah. um, you know, he's, he's really good. I like him and then um, I'm, trying, I'm looking at my bookshelf right now and some other ones. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, um, start with why Simon Sinek, like mm-hmm. I like just his ideas. Um, Call Sign Chaos by Jim Mattis, Uh, General Mattis, you know, I I really liked his book, Uh, I thought that was really good, Um, you know, and then the books that Jocko and and Leif wrote, Extreme Ownership and Dichotomy Mm -hmm. of Leadership, and Jocko's books, you know, Discipline Equals Freedom Field Manual, uh, Leadership Studies and and Tactics really helps you answer and think through different questions and situations, which I, I, I believe helps. And then, uh, the leadership promises for every day from John Maxwell. So it's like a, it's a daily devotion, uh, based off of his, um, uh, talks and preach preaching, cause he's a pastor. And, uh, so it has little daily things that you can go through and it ties into leadership and, and faith, which I really like. Um, and so I just try to learn from everybody, man. Yeah, I try to learn yes. from everybody. Um, you know, there's. You know, there's a lot of good people out there. You know, Andy Fursella, I've been on his podcast. He has a very successful podcast. And I, you know, there's, I agree with a lot of the stuff he says, and there's some stuff I don't agree with. Um, Okay, cool, right? Like, that's life. Um, My buddy, Sal Fursella, who runs Andy's company, uh, he's a great speaker. He's a phenomenal speaker, and he's a great leader. And so him and I, you know, before all this COVID craziness came on and our businesses got flipped upside down, crazy busy in a good way. We, we would talk like once a week, once every two weeks, just, you know, and I learned from him and I learned from Pete Roberts and, and Brian Littlefield at origin, you know, and, and Field is just, you know, I just try to learn from, from everybody, because I think if you can learn to be flexible in how to talk and communicate, I think you'll be more successful. Because if you think about leadership, you know, you can't have one method of leadership mm-hmm. with everybody. It doesn't work that way. It doesn't because everybody's different. And so as a leader, you actually have a chameleon and learn to talk and communicate different ways. I mean, you've taught jujitsu before, right? And you've had probably different students that you, you know, you say one thing and two students get it and you continue saying that and one student's like, I, I, I can't do this. And you're like, hey, this is what – and then you just change up what you say. And all of a sudden, it's like, boom, it clicks for them, right? And, um, you know, just like everybody has a different jujitsu game, people have different personalities. And you have to adapt how you coach and how you talk and how you lead based off of people's personalities.
1: Mm -hmm. You know, I just remember here I was going to mention one little – exercise I mean a tip I guess I do for for speakers out there when I rehearse and sometimes I record and then I go run I'll just listen you know what I mean what I just recorded so it's like more stuff where I'm going to bed I really want to ingrain that in my head and then I'll listen and my wife would go crazy because sometimes I would watch a video and I'll listen over and over like why you listen over and over because I think about like what is a person who's listening to this who have no idea who I am is getting this message? Am I getting the, the message across? So I really reflect. I don't put a tons of like videos out and stuff, but I make sure that when I do it, I wanna make sure that I'm not opening my mouth just for the hell of it. I wanna deliver some type of content. So uh, yeah. it requires, you know, like the discipline. Now, um, what did you say? One, one more yeah, thing go ahead. I was
2: gonna add. Sorry. I also very rarely listen to music or the radio when I'm driving. Or going for a run or doing something, I'm listening to podcast. Yeah. And I listen to a lot of different podcasts to get some diversity in regards to different speakers and leaders. So I think that that helps as well.
1: Yeah. And that the Sorry. same thing. The same thing with me. Uh, usually in my car is it a silence because I choose to just like, I want to yes. think. You know what I mean? I so sometimes. Yeah. It, or. It's going to be something like that, you know, like an audiobook or a podcast or something. Now, with all your speak engagements and all the clients, what do you think one of the biggest mental blocks that some of the entrepreneurs that you, you guys see and you share and you see it from them that's been preventing them from stepping up?
2: Um, adapting what they're doing. You know, they just they they just get comfortable and they just want to keep doing the same thing, and they don't understand that either as an individual or as a as a unit as a as a company. There has to be adaptation to the market, to the situation that you're in, um, your personal you know your individual abilities and limitations. These are all things that people don't really like to change because change is uncomfortable change is hard and it's difficult and it's, you know, un- you know, just something that people don't really enjoy. Uh, and so that's usually what is holding people back from, you know, kind of taking things to the next level. Um, you know, I mean, you know, you're talking about, you know, you speaking and, you know, you have this mentor and, you know, you've been doing this for a long time. Well, you've had to shift your, your lifestyle, right? You can't tell me you're doing the same things that you were doing before you decided you want to do this. And, you know, I learned from one one of my best friend's dad. I remember listening to him speak up on stage one time and he said, you either change your friends or you change your friends. So influence and help the people around you become better, positive people that are driven, that are disciplined or Find people that are positive, driven, and disciplined to surround yourself with to help you get to that next level, to help you grow as an individual.
1: Right on. So, any uh, besides you know sharing that that concept, anything that you anything else that you share specific with them on around that area of like poking them to challenge, for them to change. Anything else that comes
2: to your mind? Yeah, like. I mean, you, you have to have something that drives you like, why, why are you doing what you're doing? There you go. And I, I really, for me, the why is, is, is a huge thing. It's like, what's your, why, what is your mission? Like you have to be able to clearly identify and state your mission. Like I have on my whiteboard, my mission is to be a great husband, father, and member of echelon front. If whatever's in my life doesn't positively move the needle for any of those it's done it's out of my life whether it's a person or a thing and so you have to be disciplined man and hey that takes some discipline and that takes some dedication and you know that means that you're going to have a have to have a hard conversation with a family member who's negative or a friend who's negative or just you know doesn't ever want to do anything to better their life or better your life and you're going to have to decide like what do you really want? Like, why are you doing what you're doing? You know, you should, there should be a, there should, it's something greater than yourself. And so if you're trying to deliver, doctor or you know, it could be simple as, you know, and, and people are listening to this, like people confuse sometimes what guys like you and I talk about because they're like, well, I'm just a manager at Home Depot, right? Like I'm, I don't own a business. I'm not an entrepreneur. That's fine. It's about you being a better person. It's about you being a better leader to provide an impact, right? And if you're doing your job well, that means that you're impacting and leading other people to learn and grow. And that means that you're providing stability for your family. You're providing income for your family. And and that's that's a great thing. You don't have to be an entrepreneur to understand these concepts. You know, it just, these are basic principles that apply to, to everybody. And, you know, if you don't know what, your why is or what your mission is, then you're never going to be able to fully engage at the level that you need to, to achieve success.
1: Yeah, for sure, man. 100%. uh, I'm the same line too, that because especially when people are entrepreneurs, there are moments that whether you like or you don't, things will get tough and your why is going to drive you through the rough times. Because if your why is strong enough, you're like, I'm out, peace. You know what I mean?
2: Yep. Absolutely, 100%.
1: Yeah, so I you have think- to have
2: a very real conversation with yourself and your support group, right? And whether that's, you know, like myself, I'm married and I have kids. And so when I was starting with Jocko and Leif three and a half years ago, I had a very real conversation with Amanda, and Jocko was on the phone, and he was just like, Hey, here's the deal. He's going to miss some things, he's going to miss a kindergarten graduation. He's going to miss this. He's going to miss this. You might he might miss your birthday. You know, might miss your anniversary. You know, he's not going to be there for his birthday. If you really want him to do what he says he's going to do at a high level, he's going to miss a lot of those things. But that's just for a season. And so Amanda and I were on board from day one of like, okay, this is how busy I'm going to be. This is what's going to be going on. And this is kind of where we need to be. And that's okay.
1: I don't. So what is up? A- habit that you practice daily that it helps in everything in your life
2: a daily habit um you know i i was for a while trying to do a physical activity every day um and i got i had some health issues come in so i wasn't able to do that one thing i've always been able to do um that i will say i don't do every day but i do almost every day is read is I just try to read and that's, that's how I can learn. Right. And that's, you know, sometimes I'll read, you know, whether it's, you know, 10 to 20 minutes of like, like articles, right. Like reports, um, that, you know, people put out and I'll just, you know, read one article and I'll read another article and I'll read another and try to find the truth there. Right. And just try mm-hmm. to disseminate. And I do that so I can kind of learn to read through the bullshit. You know, mm. there's a little thing because there's a lot of bullshit out there in the media right now. And so I'll do that, um, you know, reading, reading different books like I'm reading uh, right now. This book, um,
1: the tiny, tiny small... habits.
2: Yeah. So it's the small changes that change everything called Tiny Habits.
1: Tiny uh, habits.
2: Yeah. By Dr. B.J. Fogg. Um, I, put
1: the, I put in the notes. Tiny Habits. Yeah.
2: It, okay. it, you know, so I, I just started this book. Um, and it's, it's great, you know, and it's just, it, it changed my mind to something that was very simple. I mean, like very first chapter, I was like, okay, I've got my worth, my value of buying this nice. book. Because he talks about, you know, how you change behaviors. And he has this little formula called B equals map. B, they call it, he calls it the B map, right? And so behaviors equal motivation, ability, and prompt. You have to have a prompt for to remind you to do something and then do you have the ability and then is your motivation there right so my alarm I that is a prompt right so my my alarm is a prompt to wake up do i have the ability to wake up well yes i heard my alarm i had the ability now where is my motivation there is my motivation high to get up at 4am 4 4:35 you know is where is my level of motivation and if the prompt if I have a prompt and the ability and my motivation is high enough, then I can do that behavior. And if I'm trying to change a behavior, I have to have all those as well. And he has little different graphs and diagrams and works a uh, little, um, things that you can do to, to start mapping out different behaviors that you want to shift and change and how you can slowly do them. Um, I thought it was, it was very, very intriguing. Um, like I said, you know, I, I am a high school diploma, so there's a lot of these little things that, you know, I'm learning new through books, and, you know, I, I enjoy that.
1: Yeah, no, it's uh, – this is a habit. I do a lot of audiobooks, you know, but, uh, but I do read too, but I, I feel that uh, most of my education up coming from, from audiobooks. And even with the reading, man, I talk about this in the podcast all the time about, man, if you read 10 pages per day, not, it's not that much. There'll be 3,650 pages at the end of the year, which is about 15 to 20 books. Dude, if you, anyone read 15 to 20 books of like positive information, personal development, leadership, dude, it's life changing.
2: Yeah. So Jocko has another podcast (laughs) podcast. He has four podcasts. Wow. Insane. So he has a Jocko podcast. He has a Warrior Kid podcast. He has the Grounded podcast, which is about jujitsu and life. And then he just started another one called The Thread. And he he was this guy, um, Darren or Daryl. I'm messing up the name. Anyways, this guy is a stud. And Jocko is telling me that the guy, you know, was reading. He does audiobooks and reads, but the guy was reading one to two books a week for a long time. Damn. Like that's incredible. That's absolutely incredible to me. Yeah. You know, you just think about the knowledge that that, that that guy has. And when you listen to Jocko and him on this podcast called The Thread, and they're there's like basically the whole concept is like pulling the thread to find the truth. And they're talking about things overseas, you're like, oh my gosh. <laughs> like this guy's just knowledge and intelligent cool. levels is just, it's insane. And so, you know, I look at, you know, people like Jocko and Leif and they're very well read. Guess what? They're very well spoken. They're very well educated. And I guess that was one of my insecurities I just had for a long time is just, you know, I, I know that I'm smart, but I never really applied it in school. Like I should have, I didn't go to college. There's a lot of things in the military. I, I, I just should have done better. And so now it's kind of like, hey, man, I, ha- I had the opportunity and, you know, we're trying to set the example for our kids as well. Right on.
1: Man, when you look back into some of the lessons that you learn in a battlefield, I want to know about a, a, an advice that maybe you you learn that applies in everything, man, in business and in life, maybe something that someone said in a battlefield, getting ready for something. What do you say? So many lessons and advice. but
2: um you know you have to stay humble Uh, you stay humble or you're going to be humbled and i can tell you combat is one of the most humbling environments that i've ever been in um you know and even more so when you lose one of your best friends you know one of your new guys that you were supposed to bring home and you end up escorting his body home at the very end of your deployment like, we were days away from coming home, and they pushed out to do one last mission. And, you know, a grenade got tossed up on the rooftop, and it hit Mikey in the chest, and it bounced in front of him. And he jumped on top of that grenade to absorb the blast because he had a guy on each side of him laying down. And he could have jumped back and tried to avoid it, but instead he jumped on top of that grenade to save the other two guys that were right next to him and there's a third guy on the rooftop close to him as well and so you know that's just something that you just don't even think is going to happen and in in business there's going to be like look at this covid right this is complete bullshit that all these companies are completely shut down and people are losing their livelihoods over this and there you know some businesses are allowed to be open and some aren't and it's just none of it makes sense and it's just one of those things where nobody expected that nobody went into business planning on on this happening and so you know I was I was doing an interview with somebody else and I was saying hey after this there's going to be people that come out smarter more well equipped and efficient with their business or there's people that are going to be behind the power curve right And Jocko was saying on an operations call that we had the other day uh, for our team, like, hey, there's going to be businesses that dive, meaning they're diving, surviving, or thriving. And we shifted and we're thriving. And there's some businesses that are barely going to survive. And they might end up diving or they're going to thrive, depending on what they decide they're going to do. And for us, when this shift happened, it was very humbling because we were in very, very, very high demand. And then now all of a sudden it's like, boom, all of our work from March, April, May, and June got canceled. And now even into July. And so it's like, okay, life is humbling. And I just remember combat, how humbling it was. You know, when you lose soldiers and Marines every other day that were close to you, like, you know, your own teammates, because you're working with these guys every day. And then, you know, they get, you know, they step an eye on an IED where they get shot by a sniper. or We get ambushed and there's a big gunfight. I mean, there is on average about three to four guys getting wounded every day in the Battle of Ramadi. Somebody would die on average every two to three days. Like that's just what the numbers were, man. And so, you know, just being humble is, is one of the biggest things that life has ever taught me. That's why when I came back from Ramadi, I got this too shall pass tattooed on the inside of my forearm, just as a reminder, like, hey, when life is really good, stand by, because it can shift and it can change. But when life is really, really, really bad, keep your head up, because it can also shift and change and go back to to, to a much better place.
1: Beautiful. Hey, I don't, man, since I don't know much about, not much, I don't know anything about the military, really. But when, with the movie, uh, American Sniper, right? That's that's the name. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is it is it the experience? Like, I know that there's the Hollywood effect, but as far as that story and stuff, how do you feel so about there the is,
2: movie? So there is a Hollywood effect. And here's the deal. I'll make this promise to you. I'll go watch the movie. I haven't watched that movie mm-hmm. because I, I just never have. Chris was one of my good friends. Mm-hmm. So... If people have watched that movie or read the book, you know, they tease them about the young sniper catching up to them. That was me when I was 23. I was that other lead sniper. I was in Delta platoon. Chris was in Charlie platoon. Chris was a point man and lead sniper in Charlie. I was a point man and lead sniper in Delta platoon. So, I mean, there's, and I just, I kind of steered away from watching the movie. um, And. Can't imagine. just, I knew Chris. And I spoke at his memorial service. You know, he helped mentor me as a young sniper. Um, now, from what I've heard from people that did watch it, like the way that they portrayed Mark Lee is just wrong. Mark Lee was a very happy go looking guy that loved what we were doing. Was, you know, and, you know, they said like Chris, they made, I guess they made Chris to be this like super somber, quiet guy. Dude, Chris was the biggest jokester around. He, was, he, he loved life. And so, I don't know, I'll watch it. I'll let you know what I think. <laughs> but uh, just know that there's always a Hollywood effect to every movie yeah, out there. Yeah, yeah. Even movies that have military members advising on what we would do and how we would do it there's still stuff that they change you know i was i was an extra in transformers 5 i was playing a navy seal in transformers 5 and i'm working with michael bay and saying yeah you know just talking about how we would do different things and he's like okay cool but yeah we're uh we're fighting aliens here so we're gonna do it this way and i'm like hey it's your movie i'm just telling you we would never do it that way so you know it's it's there's always, always a Hollywood. I think I saw,
1: I think I saw a video of Jocko commenting in uh, military (laughs) movies. Did you see that? (laughs) Yeah. That was pretty hilarious. Like
2: uh, like the GQ interviews.
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that was pretty awesome. Um, So when you look back into three and a half years ago, if you could have a conversation with JP three and a half years ago, we go there, and not that you want anything different in your life, but I'm saying more as a professional, you look back and and can give him a tip and like, hey, you're starting this new stage of your life, working leadership, being a speaker. What advice would you give to the younger JP?
2: Uh, read more and start writing. I think writing helps. Uh, True. Being articulate with our thoughts. And if I would have been writing and typing uh, every day, that would have made a big difference.
1: Man, that is so true. I started this habit many years ago, but by by accident, it was just I started speaking with my students doing like different talks you know maybe we're going to talk about mindset we're going to talk about whatever and I never had an experience with that so I usually I would just stand up and speak and then got to a point i like man I should organize my thoughts and then I start writing and start getting the habit of like oh wow it's like sometimes it feels like there's a cloud in your head so many thoughts and yes. directions where to go whatever you know just help to get uh, uh different pockets of what I'm going to work man there was such a big difference in my it's my, yes. my growing pains of speaking and no one taught me that. As I just figured out like, man, I think probably if I write, it would be better, you know?
2: Yeah, that's awesome. I, yeah, I wish. I, I just started doing the writing thing recently and I wish I would have you know, started that, you know, for sure.
1: Right on. So we're getting close to the end of the interview. I know there's some people um, listening to this podcast for the first time. And JP, this is the episode number 100.
2: Yes. Oh. So, nice.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, special edition two years now. Haven't missed one weekend yet. So
2: that's awesome. Congrats.
1: Yeah. Be pretty consistent. So usually, what I do after the interview, I I reflect on it and I just create an audio from five to twelve minutes. I call it the final thoughts, which I basically share some content to inspire impact and or improve the listener's life in some way. So usually, it's gonna be something because sometimes. Just for me to create a seven minute audio, I've read a book for this seven minutes. You know what I mean? I take like very seriously because this year right now, I'm not working. You're the one working. You give me the content. I'm just, just chatting with you, you know. So that for me, that's the easy part. You know, you give me the content. Now at the end, I reflect on everything you said and I think about what is my takeaway from this interview. So I tell people, Hey, I'm not saying that this is going to be your takeaway. Think about it, get one takeaway so you can implement in your life. And on my end, I choose mine and I put the topic, the title of the podcast. And at the end of the audio, combining some of the things. Sometimes I get things from other speakers or whatnot. So that's a fun part. That's my teaching, I guess, DNA that kicks in that I that I like to do. But it's hard. It's hard creating content, man. You know what I mean? That's something yeah. that, you know, it's time consuming. And cre- well, let's put it this way. Create content is not that hard. Create good content is hard because anyone can just do whatever, turn the sure. camera and just say <laughs> it. You know what I mean? But that now, very
2: true, my friend.
1: <laughs> but now you put a content that you can really impact people. That's a whole different deal, and that's basically what I I do my best to try to do. So, um since you are getting close to the end, man, what are you currently excited? What's going on? You said you guys been super busy with this, you know this new dynamic. So, what you got?
2: Um, you know, just our ability to innovate and adapt, just like uh, we, we teach and we preach and we tell people that they should be doing, um, you know, immediately, you know, we, we kind of paused everything that we we're doing because everybody canceled. Right. And we still had clients that were like, Hey, we still want to go and drop on life Like JP, if you, don't, if you're not comfortable with traveling during these times, don't worry. And I was like, I'm going like, Hey, our clients are still putting on events. I, I'm going to be there. to to work with them because I'm I'm healthy I'm young and I'm not in that high risk category so I wasn't too concerned about it and my thing is like I love to work I really enjoy working and going on the road and working with clients and, and providing for my family because three and a half years ago I told you I was in a really bad financial spot like a spot that nobody should ever put themselves and their kids and their family in And I told myself with this opportunity that I have with Jocko and Leif, I'm never going to put myself in that situation again, ever. I I refuse to do that. And so any opportunity there is to work, I'm going to work. And so I I was doing these events even when other instructors weren't. And then we kind of all paused because everything got canceled, all halt, you know, stop across the nation in the world. And uh, we we started shifting and we created, you know, LeadNet, which is our leadership development training over the Internet. So it's, it's our ability to still provide training to our clients over different internet platforms like, you know, Zoom and Skype and um, I can't meeting uh, to go or whatever um all these different platforms that are out there and so we have the ability to to do that right go to meeting and, and stuff and so we just started shifting and we started doubling down on the content that we were creating for ef online the nice. live trainings i've done a lot of free trainings for clients uh just to kind of help keep their team engaged keep them in the keep them just pushing forward and it's it's been great it's work it's shifted toward now you know i have a a, a few clients that every week they signed up for me to do an hour to 90 minute um customized training session with their team as we're progressing along and uh so it's been really good it's i've really enjoyed just shifting how we work and you gotta think about that bud like how much more efficient and effective are we with our clients yes in person is great however we're still able to deliver the same impact. We're still delivering the same message, the same content to our clients. Now, whether somebody pays attention over the internet or in person, that's always going to be up to them. And so now, let's say, what part of Arizona you're in again, Phoenix? I'm in Phoenix, yeah. Oh, we're going to be there in September for the mustard.
1: That's what I was going to ask you right now, because I know you guys come in September. Is it still yes. uh, still going or is it still? Being,
2: yep, it's still up. Yeah. And we're I think we're about three quarters of the way sold out.
1: Yeah, because I actually I, I went to the site because I wanted to attend and then all that stuff. Yeah. I looked at a few months back and yeah. then with this happening, like, man, I don't even know if it's happening. So, yeah, hopefully it does. man. I'd love to go check it out. You know, I've been following for a yeah. while and got to take advantage of being in there was oh it's,
2: it's in your backyard bud yeah and so anyways you'll love it it's great um and so where was i going with that
1: yeah no oh, that was oh, so
2: the content right so the content mm-hmm. is the same whether it's in person yeah. or or um online and so now so let's say i was going to travel to to Phoenix where you are. Like, let's say you want me to come out and work with your company. Okay, well, that's about a half day of travel, right? Because by the time you go to the airport, check in, get there, get out, catch an Uber, get a rental car, whatever, go to the hotel. You know, maybe I'm meeting you for dinner. So we meet for dinner. I go back. I work for a couple hours prepping my, you know, prepping my slides, making sure everything's good to go. Handling work emails because the whole time I've been traveling, I'm not able to do phone calls or emails, so now I'm up late working on that stuff. Wake up the next morning. I do a half day workshop with your client, with, with you and your team. We grab lunch. I go to the airport. I get home. And now it's the evening, right? So I've, I've lost a day and a half working with one client, which is fine. That's mm-hmm. great. And our prices are high for in person events, and we've lowered our prices for our online training. Well, okay. Well, guess what? I do an Hour or let's say I do a three hour workshop with you and your team online. Okay, I prep, I get that ready. I'm not having to travel. I get on Zoom 15 minutes early to make sure my slides are loaded and I'm there. I'm good. And when we're done with the training, we're done with the training. And if it goes a little bit late, okay. Once we're done, we're done. I'm home. I'm you know, I can you know yep. go do our next thing. And it's like it's like this, right? Like you know we have this from 11 to 12:30 but i you know i have something at 12:30 and we know that we're going to end a little bit early and it's like great because i get done with this i go do my next thing i'm not having to travel i wouldn't i wouldn't be able to do the follow on thing that i was doing if i was on the road right now and so For now sure. i actually have the ability to work with more clients creating a greater impact across the world and it's uh it's, it's pretty awesome, man. It's, it's mm. really amazing. And it just comes down to you, you know, thinking about how you can make things work. And I, I have a saying that I, I tend to say every time I speak, uh, you know, you can make excuses or you can make things happen. You can't do both. And you got to think about what do you really want to do? And that goes back to what we were talking about was the why. That why drives every aspect of what we do. And if that why is not strong enough, you will find an excuse not to do the work. But if you believe in your mission, if you believe in yourself, if you believe in what needs to be done, you will get it done no matter what. You won't make excuses. You won't blame anybody else. You'll take ownership of yourself, of your team, and of your life so that you can move forward. You don't ever allow the situation to dictate what you do. You dictate the situation. And the way that you dictate the situation is by planning and training, being smart with what you do. most important piece of that, you have to take action. If you don't take action, nothing in life is ever going to happen.
1: Absolutely. Man, thank you so much, JP. It was an awesome interview, man. Great. Thank you. Really appreciate all the insight you give. Uh, You're going to give me a lot of work. That means when I have like the solid... Interviews, a lot of content, that's the one that gives me a lot of work, which is fun that I need to Good. pick and choose like, okay, what direction I want to go. So that was, that was awesome. This, uh, these are the one that I learned the most because if you think about it, GP, and everyone that is listening to this, imagine you're going to interview 100 people, you know, entrepreneurs, high performers. They're going to share the success, their failures, their, their struggles, um, all that. And after that, you're going to create uh, content on the top of the most important thing that you learn. So would you learn something from that out of 100 people? You know what I mean? So that's basically... Better. Yeah. <laughs> so basically, that's where I'm at. You know, like 100 interviews that I go and I reflect on what is said, create a content. You know, so I believe that every interview that I do, and I think I believe, too, that there's a reason why we we just choose a podcast and a jump in certain episode and you get the message of like, wow, you know what I mean? Huh? I didn't see that coming. So I believe that every pod, every interview that I have, there's always one little thing of like, huh? All right, cool. Yeah. And then I write and I keep track of everything right now. I'm, I'm, I'm getting into the Brazilian market now and I'm getting involved with some, uh, online Congress and for like jujitsu and stuff like that. And I need to give like an ebook, man. I can make it, I had so much content already, I just need to do a little puzzle, just like, man, this is ready to go, it's like, mm-hmm. let me pick here seven big names, you know what I mean, and then I was thinking this morning, I'm like, man, I can, real quick, I can put uh, Lovato, Lucas Lepre, Vito Shaolin, I mean, work class guys that I just create a content for like five to 12 minutes, man, that's an ebook right there. You know what I mean? With the great oh, huge. lessons that I got. So uh, uh, this is one, one more, one more for, for the book. So thank you so much, man, for your cool, time. I, I know you're it, super man. busy and I appreciate it, but all
2: right. Thank you, sir.
1: Yeah. So for all the listeners, stick around for my final thoughts. Oos. Let me share with you my final thoughts from the interview with the JP Denell. If you're listening just to the final thoughts on Instagram, at Gustavo Dantos BJJ, JP is a blue belt in jiu-jitsu and an MMA veteran. He's a former U.S. Navy SEAL who served multiple tours of duty in Iraq. JP currently serves as a leadership instructor, speaker, strategic advisor, and is the director of experiential leadership training programs for Echelon Front, which is led by Jocko Winlick and Liv Babin. It was a great interview with lots of good takeaways. When I asked him how jujitsu relates to life, he answered, life is humbling, combat is humbling, business is humbling, parenting is humbling, and jujitsu is humbling, which I thought was really cool. And one moment I asked, what was one of the best advice that you have ever received on the battlefield that can be used in any area of your life? And his answer was, stay humble which inspired me to title this episode the same. Confucius said, Humility is the solid foundation of all virtues. We cannot deny that in jiu-jitsu, business, in any area of your life. As you already know, if you've been listening to the podcast for a while, you know that sometimes I share some type of audio with you. And today, I want to share with you some of Jocko Winlick's wisdom on the topic of humility during his podcast with Echo Charles. For those who don't know, Jocko Winlick is a retired U.S. Navy senior officer co-author of the number one New York Times bestseller, Extreme Ownership and Dichotomy of Leadership. He is a co-founder and the CEO of Echelon Front, where he serves as a leadership instructor, speaker, and strategic advisor. Check out this audio.
3: Jaco, from your experience or observation, how does one learn humility? And on top of that, talk about gaining more self-confidence.
4: So this here was actually two questions. Mm -hmm. Two questions. One of them, how do you learn humility? And the other one is, how do you gain more self-confidence? Of course, I paired these together because there's a dichotomy in those two, right? If you have a bunch of self-confidence, then you're not being humble. And if you're being too humble, then you don't have self-confidence. So a good analogy of this, of course, what we were just talking about is jujitsu because when you start jujitsu, and we'll, we'll turn this into a metaphor for life, but when you start jujitsu, jitsu you very quickly learn, number one, that you can get beat, that you're not everything that you thought you were, mm-hmm. right? And at the same time, you start to gain confidence. I mean, it's, it, it makes you more confident because you realize that as you have knowledge, it's the things that other people don't know. And so it's the same thing with life because if you're in life, and you step out into the arena, right? Mm-hmm. You're going to realize that you're not you don't know everything. That's something you're going to realize. And the more that you realize that you don't know everything, the more it humbles you, but also in a in a reverse way actually makes you more confident because now you're gaining knowledge because you are stepping into the arena. So it's like with jiu-jitsu, when you spar and you roll, you're gonna get tapped, yes, but the more you do it, the more confident you get. Mm-hmm. And the more you accept the fact that you don't know everything, you don't, like the question before, like what are you embarrassed about? Why would you be embarrassed in the sport? Yeah. Don't be embarrassed, go there and get tapped out, good. Yeah. You're learning, you know? And, and that's what you have to do in life. If you wanna gain humility and you wanna gain self-confidence in life, you have to get on the mat,
3: yeah.
4: right? You got to step up in lead. You got to step up and talk. You got to volunteer for the hard job. You got to take risks. Mm-hmm. That's how you're going to gain the confidence and the humility because sometimes you're going to get beat. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you're going to win. But you won't make any of that that progress Unless you take the opportunity to step out on the mat step into the arena step into the cage step onto the stage Step up onto the leadership pedestal Mm -hmm. That's how you make it work because when you're humble That's that's what humility comes from you realize that you're not perfect and you realize that nobody is Mm -hmm. So it's like that old thing of walk in and picture everyone with their underwear on or whatever when you realize that everyone else is human, that increases your confidence. Because mm. you're not looking at everyone like they're, oh, they're, they're masters. Bear no, they're and- not. They're just other people. Mm-hmm. And so that's what I would do. If you want to gain confidence and you want to gain humility, both of them, get out there, get on the mat, get on the stage or in the game, into the leadership position, whatever the case may be, and live. Mm-hmm. And don't be embarrassed. And don't be abusive when you do do well. You know that's a th- again that's the thing about jujitsu, and it's the thing about life. You realize you're not going to be. There's always going to be someone that's better than you. That's okay. Just be humble, learn from it. And when you know that there's other people that are going to be better than you, it's okay. You can be confident in what you can do because you know you're going to be better than other people.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, we I was talking with Greg and Tim today about. Um, about humility so there's like internal hum- humility and external humility so the external humility isn't really humility it's the guy who's like super respectful when he talks to people and how he talks but on the inside he's like eh i'm better than yeah, everyone that's, that's mm, i know good. everything and the opposite is if someone's the opposite, on the outside, he's like, heck, yeah, like a Conor McGregor. Like, I'm the, you know, I'm the greatest. I'm going to beat him. My timing is dope and all this stuff and how good I am. Um, but on the inside, when it comes down, when no one's looking, when it's time to train, he's learning from everyone. Some guy, a white belt gives, a, gives him a tip. He considers that tip, is this going to help me, you know? Mm-hmm. So he's, his humility allows him to learn from everybody. Right. And, you know, he ends up being more successful um, because of that humility, you know? And that's like the internal humility
4: that's true statements
3: you know um you know some people they're like hey i'm um i'm not cocky i'm confident mm-hmm. do you think that there's
4: like a difference between cocky Th- there is absolutely confident? a difference yeah there's absolutely a difference and and it's a dichotomy because you have to be confident but not cocky right confidence like you know, confident saying, Hey, I know I could I know I could win this match, or hey, I know I can make this happen, or hey, I know I can lead this mission or whatever. That's mm-hmm. that's there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Cocky is, hey, I know I can win this and I don't even need to train. Right. Or hey, I know I can lead this mission and we don't even need to prepare. Yeah. That's cocky and that's wrong. Right. So confident but not cocky. It's a it's a Simple dichotomy of leadership, which is actually in the book. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, you know how, yes, you know, there is a difference, and or you know
3: how some te- some people they won't do it necessarily in in terms of um, being a leader or anything like that. They'll just do it in kind of in life. You know, these people, it's like yeah, because they talk about themselves all the time or something like that, right? So in those cases, I kind of w- w- differentiated it where a cocky person is going to talk about himself and how good he or she or whatever is unprompted confident is they're going to answer honestly about how they feel about their you yeah. know preparedness or skill or whatever but it has to be prompted they're Fair not going to just go out of their way and be like hey i'm the greatest you know but if they're if someone's like hey well, you know honest question do you think you're the greatest and they really think they are the greatest in their experience or whatever they're going to say the honest thing you know that's like a confident versus yeah. cocky
4: i was my daughter said the other day i was considering Bringing my daughter on the my oldest daughter on the podcast because mm. people ask about parenting a lot. I'm not gonna do it. I've decided. <laughs> but you know, I was like, well, what kind of questions would I ask her? And I said, well, tell you know, I was just kind of experimenting. And I said, tell people something that they wouldn't expect about me, or something that you recognize about me. And one of the things she said was she heard me talking to someone about jujitsu that didn't know me, mm-hmm. and they were like, oh, oh, do you train jujitsu? And I said, oh yeah, I do. And they said, are you good? And I and I said like I'm all right, you know I I've, I've been training for a while so I'm all right. And she said I was really su- like I was surprised at how humble you were. You've been doing jujitsu for 20 years, and right. you just yeah. and you know I said you know you don't know somebody. First of all, that person might be better than me. Yeah, that's the reality. Yep. I'm like um yeah I'm really good. Yeah, you know.
3: Yeah, and you know what I'm listening to this and I'm trying to cons trying to think in my experience your reaction to any jujitsu questions in that way where so. I don't think I've ever heard you, and I've known you for 10 years, I think, maybe eight years or so. Mm-hmm. I don't think I've ever heard you say, yeah, I tapped that guy out. I don't think I've ever heard you say that. Yeah, maybe it's... if I asked you, no, no, I, I can't even, I can't really like picture you saying that. Yeah, I tapped, or I, I tapped him out.
4: Yeah, it's one of those weird things too, because it, it, it in a one way, it means something, In another way, it doesn't mean anything. It means I've been training for longer than you. You made a mistake, you know? Yeah, exactly. And that's kind of the point where, in the grand
3: scheme of things, it doesn't matter. You're right. But in this immature way, that's. (laughs) And a part of that, if you've been doing jujitsu for even a little while, You'll have at least this much of it in you like, hey, did you tap that guy out kind of thing? And I was reading a thing just kind of online, a little fun thing, where it was like unwritten rules of jiu-jitsu. You don't go and talk about how you tap this guy out today. You don't do that. And that's true. Yeah. But the the reason there's an article like that is because there's a small part of a, that in all of us that wants to say, you know, hey, you know, maybe with your close friends, you'd be like, hey, did you get him? You know, And you'd yeah. be like, yeah. Or you'll come home and tell your wife, who doesn't care at all, by the way. So, <laughs> but it's there in you. Yeah. But – With maturity, you're not going to go and say, "Hell yeah, I tapped him out," you know? Yeah, but with you, I mean, we're especially now we're kind of close. I still don't. I've never heard you say, "Yeah, I got him. I tapped him out." Even I remember one time, and I'm not going to say who because he's a well-known guy, and he came and visited, and I rolled with him. He just beat me. I was back when I was a purple belt, and then you rolled with him. I didn't see the whole role. I saw you guys rolling, and I asked you afterwards. I was like, "Hey, so you know, like, all I said was what happened because I remember that's how you'd always ask me, (laughs) you know, like, hey, what happened? You know, like, how'd he go, kind of thing," and then. So I asked you that and you're like, it sounded it really felt like you wanted to say it, but it was like almost like you had this rule almost or something. Yeah. You, were, you were like, We're we were getting
4: after it. <laughs> and you just <laughs> left it at that. I was
3: like, I, I respect it, respect huh, it. That's but interesting. Yeah, I yeah, and I just kind of realized that and I don't think you've ever said that.
4: Yeah. yeah, I think that's probably a decent policy to have. Yeah. I had a guy one time that passed my guard. And no, it wasn't you. Some Somebody passed my guard and held it for about a second and a half and then stood up and and literally ran around right, right. screaming. That like, was his victory. Yeah, you told me
3: about that. Yeah, I was kind of like, wow, <laughs> You know, it's strange. That was probably strange to you, but although I would maybe, I'm not saying I would never do that. I might do that as a joke, you know, yeah. but, um,
4: man, I feel where he was coming from. <laughs> I'm to be
3: honest with you.
4: It, it, you know, actually, for a while, this held me back because people got so intent on passing my guard mm-hmm. that I had to defend it as if I was defending a tap. <laughs> yeah. I'm not kidding. Yeah, and see? so now, and then finally, like, uh, uh, probably six months ago, maybe a year ago, I just said, you know what? I'm going to start letting people pass my guard just so yeah. I can play different b- parts of the game. Right. And right, so now right. I just, you know, I'm not that concerned about it anymore. Mm-hmm. People getting all crazy. <laughs>
1: I hope you have enjoyed the audio. It's a great reminder to all of us to keep our humility in check in jujitsu, at work, at home, everywhere, during the good times and the challenging times. To wrap up, I would like to share with you one of Jocko's quotes. Quote, Implementing extreme ownership requires checking your ego and operating with a high degree of humility. Admitting mistakes, taking ownership, and developing a plan to overcome challenges are integral to any successful team," unquote. Oh,
0: s-